Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and I want to kick things off by talking a little bit about Iron Fist. We may do a full-fledged episode about it. I'm not positive yet, but I want to say that I'm a little confused as to how much people seem to be hating it. I, it's you know it's not the best of the Marvel Netflix shows, but it certainly isn't bad, or at least I didn't think it was bad. I really enjoyed Finn Jones as Danny Rand. I feel like a lot of people are misinterpreting his performance, uh, and and if you haven't watched the show yet, I'll try to stay away from spoilers. I'll just say. And this is just part of the story. It's not, it's not really a reveal in the show. It's part of Iron Fist's story. Uh, part of, uh, Danny Rand's story. Uh, when he was 10 years old, he was on a plane with his parents that crashed in the Himalayas. His parents died. Horrible. He was found by monks from a magical city <laughs> who took him to the magical city and taught him Kung Fu for 15 years. So, you got to remember, and, and then he comes back uh, 15 years later. The, the city of Kunlun uh, appears every 15 years to, to our world. And uh, I don't know for how long or whatever. I don't know the details of the story because I haven't read a lot of Iron Fist comics. The only one I've read uh, that was specifically Iron Fist was the one by Kari Andrews that came out a few years ago, which, by the way, I highly recommend. Uh, if, if you go, go to... NeedlessThingsSite.com. Click on that Amazon square, and once you're in Amazon, type in Iron Fist and Kare Andrews. That's K-A-A-R-E and then Andrews. And uh, buy whatever's there. It's great. I love it. And there's supposed to be the second part of it. Uh, is supposed to be coming out sometime. That's fantastic. Uh, but anyway, uh, so he comes back uh, home to New York City to his, his billion-dollar corporation, but the thing is, he he crashed when he was ten. Was raised by monks for fifteen years, and people are like, "Oh, he's he's so uh, dumb and and like clueless and and whatever else." Yeah, because he's basically still a ten year old kid. He hasn't had social experiences. He hasn't been through the public school system. Uh, he hasn't. He didn't go to college. He was getting beaten with sticks by monks. You guys, uh, he is innocent. Largely, and and that's kind of the whole point of the show, is how innocent this kid is, and how he is, un, you know, unfortunately at the age of twenty five, having to learn the ways of the world and the ways of, of and the evil that men do, so to speak. You know, he's been brought up with this responsibility that he is the Iron Fist who will who will uh, battle the hand and be the guardian of Kunlun. Without really knowing what that means, I think, and and his the the show is it's almost a tragedy, and that this kid shows up and he's hopeful and he believes in doing what's right, and he gets betrayed at every turn, and sees how ugly the world is and how ugly people are. Uh, I was very compelled by the Meachams. Uh, I thought that Ward and Joy were excellent, uh, not even supporting characters. Like all the Marvel shows have had very strong core casts. And a lot of, I've seen a lot of people talk about Ward being boring. And I think that's insane. I think he was, to me, the most compelling character on the show. I love the actor that played him. I, I wish I had his name in front of me right now. I don't. Uh, but I loved the story of Ward and Joy uh, and their family and how, you know, while Danny was gone, Danny's parents died, they took the Rand Corporation, this, this thing that Danny's parents or father or whatever had built and made it this immensely successful corporation. And they uh, have had the opposite upbringing of Danny in that they've grown up in this dirty, foul world and have been influenced by it. 
and have learned lessons from it. I, I man, I dug this show. And, and yeah, there were a couple of parts where it lulled a little bit, but I'll tell you what, I don't think it was as bad as uh, either season of Daredevil or as Luke Cage. Uh, to me, it was the the characters were the story. Now look, could there have been more kung fu in the show? Uh, shit, yeah. I was definitely let down uh, by that aspect of it. There weren't a lot of fights, uh, and the fights themselves were not as spectacular as you would expect. Although I did really enjoy, and I've seen people complain. I I didn't notice. I feel like people read things on the internet and then regurgitate those things, so that. Uh, like for me personally, I watched this show. I didn't read any reviews of it until I was done watching it. And I see all these people commenting and pointing out like stuff with stunt doubles and, and that Finn Jones, uh, wasn't very good at fighting. I didn't notice any of that. Uh, you know, I liked his fighting style. He had this slow laid back, like a lot of times almost like he was having to slow down a little bit so that whoever he was fighting could keep up with him. And again, Yes, he is Iron Fist at the beginning of the series, but we're seeing him evolve. We're seeing him learn. We're seeing him grow. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because, like I said, we may do a full episode, but I just I dug it. I, I really dug it, and I look forward to watching it again, uh, which I will probably do before I do my write-up. And if you want to go to needlessthingssite.com and check out my write-ups on Daredevil and Jessica Jones, those are up. I uh, have not gotten back to Luke Cage yet. I plan to watch it through again. And then uh, later on, I'll watch Iron Fist through again. But we may do an episode here on the podcast just about Iron Fist. Okay, so the other thing I want to mention in in my opening, my preamble, if you will, my pre-ramble, my ramble-amble, is the Belko experiment, which I was very excited about. I am a devout fan of James Gunn. I've been a fan for years and years. I've talked about it ever since I started the website, how much I love him, how much I love his work. And, uh, I, you know, it's not, it's not Guardians of the Galaxy. It's his, uh, scripts for the Scooby-Doo live action movies. Now, granted, I could do a whole other episode on whether or not the villains in Scooby-Doo should be supernatural or not. But the bottom line is those movies are great, great fun. Kids love them. I love them. If you're an open-minded adult that wants to be entertained like me, you're going to love them. Uh, if you go in looking for things to hate, you're going to find them. If you go into anything looking for things to hate, you're going to find things to hate. Because uh, that's what a hater, uh, being a hater is all about. And that's right. I'm 40 years old, and I just said hater because there are haters out there. Drink it up, that haterade. Uh, but I liked the Belko experiment quite a bit. I was very excited about it uh, because of how much I like James Gunn. He wrote it. He did not direct it. Uh, it's filled with familiar faces. Every single person that comes on screen, you're going to be like, oh, it's that guy, or oh, it's that girl. It, it was not, however, what I expected. I thought it was going to be a fun romp of, oh, look at these corporate douchebags killing each other. Ha, ha, ha. Look at all the creative ways they're going to come up with using office supplies to, to off each other. Off its supplies. And it wasn't that. It was much darker than I thought it was going to be. Uh, much more powerful emotionally than I thought it was going to be. Uh, there were points where I, I was very touched. There were points where I was horrified. And it was really, it, it was not the fun violence fest I thought it was going to be. Although I will say there were certain characters that, that were put over so well and got so much heat that when they did meet their demise, it was immensely satisfying. Uh, and, and you can look at the trailer and you can tell who I'm talking about. But, uh, all the performances were fantastic. The story was fantastic, but it was, it was an exploration of, uh, the good and the evil of humanity and we see in the movie you see some of the very best of humanity and you see some of the very worst of humanity and you see lots of shades in between it, it's a it's a study it's a sociological experiment which i mean obviously that's what it is but i was i was intrigued that it was not just the violent uh the the violent gore fest that i kind of thought it was going to be and granted it is it's it's got a lot of rough stuff in there it is not for the faint of heart, but very good movie. I recommend it. Just be aware going in that it's not like Battle Royale or, or Running Man or anything like that. Like, it's not, I would not call it fun, but it is very good. And finally, uh, I want to mention, uh, well, you know, you know what? Uh, wait, wait, wait. I don't want to say finally, because first I want to say go to supportphantom.com 
and uh, help out the podcast, help out the website, uh, look at the rewards, reward levels, which really at this point you're basically just getting uh, a couple of podcasts extra a month that are exclusive to supportphantom.com. Uh, a few other things here and there as I have time, but man, my schedule is bonkers. I'm working one extra day this week, and it's thrown everything off. That's why I'm recording this thing Thursday morning at 6.40 in the morning, uh, because now I'm more, it doesn't matter, you don't care. I work a lot. Help a brother out. Supportphantom.com. Finally, WrestleMania is coming up a week from Sunday, and I have a very, very special WrestleMania episode coming next week. You are not going to want to miss. Uh, my guest, I am not announcing them yet. Follow me on social media, El Phantasmus. Uh, go to the Needless Things podcast Facebook page and join up over there. Follow me on Twitter, Phantom Troublemaker. Uh, and I will be announcing who this guest is once the episode is in the can. Because I know better than to think things are going to happen. Because uh, you never know. But reg- there there will be a very special WrestleMania episode regardless uh, but if I get the guest that I'm currently scheduled to get, it's going to be a big, big shoe. So stay tuned for that. And uh, after this, you know what? I haven't even put over today's show. Today is the live Toy Stories panel from Toylanta 2017, in which myself, Rad Ranger, Ryan Cadaver, Bobby Nash, and Gary Mitchell sit down in front of a live audience and talk about how we played with toys when we were kids. There are a couple of, uh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. If you don't notice, you don't notice. Sit down, listen to some uh, Mystery Men, and then listen to Toy Stories live from Toylanta with a fantastic cast of panelists. All right, is everybody ready for a little bit of toy talk with Needless Things? Uh, my name is Phantom Troublemaker. I am the owner and operator of NeedlessThingsSite.com and the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. Uh, you can find the podcast every single Friday. We do new episodes uh, where we'll do roundtables about conventions. Uh, we'll talk about various pop culture things. And once a month, we do a feature called Needless Commentary, where myself and the regulars will sit around and provide commentary for uh, a hugely popular Hollywood blockbuster-type movie uh, like we did yesterday with Hard Ticket to Hawaii. If you're not familiar with that uh, and you are over 18, Google it. Uh, possibly in incognito mode. Uh, yes, you might want to open up one of those new browser windows. No, it's not. It's not that bad. It's just. It's just a, a hard R action '80s movie with lots of. Uh, yeah, they played it this morning and uh, in, in high def, which we didn't know was happening when we scheduled the recording, uh, which really seems odd. Uh, but yeah, Ryan over here, who's part of the uh, Needless Commentary team, has if if you can believe it. You can get Hard Ticket to Hawaii, as well as 11 other action-packed 80s hits for, we found out last night, $6 from Amazon. I paid 10. I got ripped off. Yeah. But you were you were the trendsetter. Sometimes you get to bite the bullet for everyone else. Nobody was talking about that movie until I started talking about it. That's, and, that, and that is the truth. I'm just saying. Well, they were talking about it like five years ago on Attack of the Show, but nobody nobody else caught the wave. Nobody back saw then. that. You were the man. To me. Uh, so, uh, we're, what we're going to talk about today? Uh, all weekend long, we've been celebrating toys and collecting, and uh, most of us, you know, being grown-ups in this room, there's a lot of nostalgia involved in that. And at this point in our lives. Uh, there's a lot of chase involved, but then once you get it, you're like, well, it's time to take this and put it on the shelf. What's the next thing I'm getting? And that's kind of the collector attitude, and I do the same thing. Uh, but in the last few years, uh, I've got a nine-year-old son, and since he was born and got old enough to really start playing with toys in the way that I did when I was a kid, uh, I started having a, a different appreciation for toys than I have over the last 30 years or so. 
uh, in that, you know, now I really think about how they can be played with. And, and, you know, I used to be, when a new toy line would come out, if it wasn't aimed at me, if it didn't have maximum articulation and sculpt and all that awesome stuff, I'd be like, yeah, well, that's, that's junk. I don't care about that. But now if, I, I want something to be playable. I want it to be like something a kid can grab and smash together and like just be a fun toy. Uh, so I have a new appreciation for things like the, the six inch line that Hasbro just launched for all of the Marvel animated cartoons that have limited articulations, but they've got really good sculpts and they're fun to look at. Uh, so today, what I wanted to do is something a little different. We have a regular feature that I do at conventions called Toy Stories. Uh, and in the past, we have brought a toy and uh, shared a memory of that toy. Uh, I want to do something a little different today where instead of sharing about a single toy, we are going to talk about how we played with our toys. We're going to travel back in time in this uh, big time-traveling auditorium that the Marriott Century Center has provided for us, courtesy of Toylanta. And uh, is this a Marriott Marriott Tardis? Yes, this is Marriott Tardis. Marriott Tardis, and uh, which it will literally be in May for Hulanta. Yeah. Will anybody be here for Hulanta? Big Doctor Who convention. Uh, First, first weekend of May. You look like David Tennant. How are you not coming to Hulanta? I, I, I've been sitting here thinking that this whole time. I'm like, literally the doctor is sitting here uh, staring at us. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Uh, all right, so uh, I want to introduce my panel because these are some guys that have all been on the show before. So if you go to Needless Things, listen to the podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher as well, uh, you're going to hear all these guys. But first, to my left is the Red Ranger. Ranger, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Did, have you bought anything this weekend? Uh, yes, I've, but I've stuck to my list mostly. Good. Because uh, as people have heard when we were talking earlier, I've downsized from a house to an apartment, and so I don't have quite the room that I have to display my toys that I used to. So I've made myself stick to the list because I have no idea where I'm going to put this stuff. Good man. I, I brought a list, too. Uh, all because I'm trying to stick to some vintage 80s stuff, and and I was like, all right, this year, I'm printing my list, I'm bringing my list, and I will not deviate from my list. I've got my budget and my list, and these are the two most important things at my weekend at Toylanta. And I got down here uh, yesterday morning. I'm walking around looking at my list, and nobody has anything on my list, so I deviated from my list. <laughs> Because, you know, you can't come down here with a budget and not get anything. It would be terrible. So I, I purchased uh, Sideshow Collectibles used to make uh, affordable toys. And back in the day, uh, they had a line of James Bond figures that they did. And uh, I've got the Roger Moore, because Roger Moore is my Bond. That's a whole other panel. Uh, I've got the Roger Moore that they did because I bought it at the time. And that was when I was still kind of just picking and choosing, whatever. Uh, but somebody in there had the Scaramanga from Man with the Golden Gun, which is my favorite Bond movie. Uh, and it's uh, Christopher Lee, beautiful likeness, everything. And, and I, the price was excellent. So I grabbed that. And that's been my, my only purchase because no, nobody had any Battle Beasts yeah. worthy of buying. Uh, next to the Red Ranger is award-winning author Bobby Nash. How are you doing, Bobby? I am wonderful. I am wonderful. Yeah. Now you came from a different show, right? Yes. yes I was at a different con yesterday. Um, How dare you? I know, right? Because you don't get to just walk around and have fun. You have to work. I have to work. Yeah. So uh, I, yes, I was at another con yesterday, the Atlanta Science Fiction and Fantasy Expo. Okay. Which is a free show that was over at the North Cab Mall. Mm-hmm. Okay, quite a good crowd. There was a lot of, a lot of authors, uh, artists, comics. And we did a screening of the Starship Farragut episode I wrote. Oh, very cool. And then uh, we did a panel on you so, know, no, writing and publishing. Paramount troops didn't burst in and destroy all prints as, of the as film? As long as we don't make any more, we're good. Okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, if, if you don't know, uh, Starship Farragut is a, a Star Trek fan yeah. series uh, that, that is very, very good that Bobby wrote an episode yeah. for. So we've been, I've been doing screenings at various cons. Uh, this was our second or third screening, so yeah, it's been pretty cool. It's been fun. Yeah, plus I've got like 800 DVDs to give away. So, nice. Did you bring any today? I have some. They're out in my car. If anybody wants any, we can make that happen. They're free. nice. Paramount won't let it. Because Paramount won't let it. So yeah. 
you know, if you want to pay for the wanna, packaging, yes, they'll give you, you the DVD for free. Yeah, I was gonna say if you want to buy something, there are books in the car too. But <laughs> every book purchase, you know, every DVD. Yes, not every purchase, every book. Yes, yes. Every, every book, book you're getting three DVDs. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I have not spent any money here yet because I just got here. Well, we'll we'll so, wrap this up as fast as we can so you can get I'm, out there. I'm sure before the before I leave, I will have bought something. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, how can you not? Uh, and, and to Bobby's immediate left is the man, the myth, the legend, the heart and soul of the Dragon Con American Sci-Fi Classics track, Mr. Gary Mitchell. No, not at all. I do it all the time. Quite frankly, I'm the only one sometimes. Uh, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning. I don't, this, is, this is all-age panels. Let's keep that to a minimum. Uh... So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Next to Gary is uh, our pal and member of the Needless Commentary team, Mr. Ryan Cadaver of the Casket Creature. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I've been sticking, sticking to my budget. Uh, bought a couple Ninja Turtles. Uh, wanted to find some street sharks. I had no luck. Uh, yeah, this isn't. A, this doesn't feel like a big year for like the the big blockbuster '80s toy lines. Not yeah. that Street Sharks necessarily is, but I mean, yeah. yeah. What surprised me, as I was looking for, is they're the, the blind box little figures, the the mini monsters, whatever. Last year there were like six of them, people selling them, mm. and the new lines got Elvira and the Shark from Jaws. Right, right. Yeah. So I was pretty sure. You know, I'm not buying 16 blind boxes to pick up two figures. Ugh. So I figured someone here would have them. Nobody. I was like, wait, what? You know what? That's a good point. I was a little surprised because it looked like tons of people had, like, they had the blind box stuff, but not, not a, any of them had them loose. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you expect kind of the big board with, all right, yeah. well, you can, yeah. I'm going to charge you five bucks more, but you get what you want. Yeah. Right. And I'll pay fine with. Gladly. I will, I will gladly pay to have the mystery removed. And, and yeah. you got my attention with the shark from Jaws. I don't Do you want to take this over? No. <laughs> uh, it was accidental. So just to kick things off, uh, who, who in here had G.I. Joe as kind of their first toy love? And, and for me, it wasn't the 12-inch Joes that are that are one of the big focuses of Toylanta. For me, it was the three and three-quarter-inch Real American Hero yes. Joes. And... Uh, I, I just, that was the toy line. As I've said many times before, so I'll keep it brief, but uh, me and my dad connected over that because he was in the military uh, for most of his life. And that sounds negative. He's still around. He's fine. He's, not, he's just not in the military anymore. Um, uh, so, you know, in 1982 or three, whenever we found the, the first Joes, he's like, look at these guys. I, I get this stuff. I recognize all these little weapons and their uniforms are, are you know, fairly accurate to what, what might be there. I like these vehicles. He'd, he'd sit down and explain to me, like, well, this is a little different from what would really be, but it's based on this, and this is, you know, here. Uh, like, he got into it with me. So that one, as much as I was co- collecting, I, I was freaking... We were kids. Yeah. I was six, seven years old. I wasn't collecting anything. But uh, uh, I was into Star Wars, but then G.I. Joe really became the thing that that, uh, had, like, an emotional attachment that way for me. And when playing with G.I. Joes, uh, there were so many different ways that, you know, if, if I was by myself, I would... I would... My big thing always was going on missions. And I would pack up a vehicle... With uh, which the the troop carrier, the removable back and everything, you know, if you're going on a big mission, you pack up the troop carrier with a ton of Joes, and they go out into the middle of your room, the bare carpet. There's not no no uh, you know chest of drawers that you have to pretend is the GI Joe headquarters because as awesome as the silver headquarters was. It really didn't quite capture the scale of the thing in the cartoon. So you've got your chest of drawers with your Joes lined up in it. They go out in the middle of the room, and they're out in the wilderness. And then, of course, Cobra attacks. Uh, but then when you've got friends over, maybe you split them up. Maybe somebody's Cobra, maybe somebody's Joe. But there are all kinds of different ways, and I want to talk to you guys about what you played with and how you played with it. Uh, and since we started with uh, Red Ranger to introduce this thing, let's go over to the end with Ryan. What what was your first like kind of big where you had? I have a ton of this, and I'm going to have a war or a tea party. I don't know what your proclivities are. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, 
I was yeah. I was always doing like crossover stuff. I never really collected like one line of stuff. Like mm-hmm. you know, I had lots of superheroes, lots of monsters, and you know, I had like the Ghostbusters house. Oh, house. nice. And I would have like all my superheroes and stuff, and they'd be in the Ghostbusters house, and they'd be like, "Oh, there's there's monsters over here. We got to go out and you know." Kill them. <laughs> Basically, supernatural before supernatural. You know? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, they would get in their little vehicles. You know, I had multiple different little cars. And like I said, it was just like, I didn't really collect one thing. I would just be like, that's neat. I want that. So when, when you're doing this with, say, you know, Superman and Batman, did every year, did they stop trusting each other and then slowly have to grow back together as brothers? <laughs> And then stop trusting each other, and then one of them went to hell. Because <laughs> if they did, you really like the. I think the Kripke guy really did rip you off. He totally ripped me off. And that's the other thing. Like uh, I was a weird kid, still a weird adult. And, wait, wait. I think pretty much everybody in here. Yeah, everybody's kind of weird, right? Yeah. yeah. When I was when I was real little, and I'd be playing these things, like I mean, I had like an episodic format, and like I felt like it was like a TV show. Yeah. Like I felt like you know I had to keep it interesting, you know, so I constantly throw a new thing. Because ratings are a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, Previously on <laughs> Batman and Superman, you know, have to get in this Jeep, this like dollar store army Jeep, and go attack this werewolf that's killing people. And it was, yeah, it didn't make any sense, but it was awesome. Well, it made sense to you. Yeah, right. exactly. So you mixed up toilets. Yeah, constantly. I could not do that with yeah. you. I, I couldn't, and yeah. I so badly. Here, here's one of the the deepest pains of my early life, and of course at the time I didn't understand, you know, I didn't really have a concept of, of value and money and whatever else, but why can't G.I. Joe and Transformers be compatible with each other? It drove me insane. <laughs> why are these so small? I, I can't put Duke in this truck. This is ridiculous. Why do I even, and that's actually part of the reason why I never loved Transformers like as much as a lot of people did, and don't get me wrong, I love Transformers. But it always made me so angry that they were so small. And you know, now obviously I understand why, but at the time, I'm like, they make these big vehicles for G.I. Joe, why can't they just make them transform? <laughs> I didn't get it. I'm with, go ahead. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like if they were in the same scale, I could mix genres and mix lines. Mm-hmm. But if like my He-Mans and my Joe's never, you know, never they should cross. Well, and that's even as a kid, I recognized the fact that, you know, when you've got a G.I. Joe and you've got a He-Man, if, if a man the size of a three and three quarter inch G.I. Joe figure did whatever was necessary, and I think we all know what it would be, to get the size of a G.I. Joe figure, he would just explode. Like, <laughs> this guy cannot exist alongside this guy in my brain. Yeah. But I know, did, did uh, Bobby, did you mix it up at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had, you know, I, I didn't get like all of the Joes or anything. My parents, you know, it was, it was a struggle to get whatever I got. And so, whenever I would, you know, I would go for whatever I thought was the coolest. And the coolest G.I. Joe figure for me was Destro. Mm. I loved the Destro oh, figure. Yeah. And I actually made Destro my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Adventure team, and it was Destro and Boba Fett. And they, oh my and gosh, they, that is, and that's awesome! I didn't realize I wanted that until right this second. Yeah. I really and, wanted that. And they went on adventures together. And they had, and I had other characters. I had like Stormtrooper. Let, let me let me take a brief aside here, uh, Jazz Ingram. <laughs> Uh, I think we're going to have to take up a collection here to get an illustration yes. of Destro and Boba Fett and a bloody cop. <laughs> and if you haven't written this as a book yet, I haven't. No, we're going to have to. <laughs> no, that's an idea. Yeah, leave the weapon. But yeah, they Boba were Fett. they were my team because those were the two coolest characters. And that was I had the Boba Fett that actually shot his missile across the road. Didn't choke, didn't put out a nine. Um, so, you know, I aimed it at my brother several times, didn't even put out one of his eyes. So, but. It's a faulty product. I know, right? Don't aim the eyes at your brother's safety first, kids. <laughs> but, so those were the two that were my mainstays. And I had other characters I interacted with, and we didn't have a lot of, I didn't get a lot of vehicles. But 
because my parents were like, those are too expensive. Sure. I learned how to make my own vehicles Ooh, for these characters. Nice. We used to go, remember you'd go into the stores and there'd be that pop a quarter in, you get the, the egg kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And with a ball or whatever. Popping a quarter, if you took those apart, it had the flat lid and then the egg part. Mm-hmm. If you took those apart and stuck the lid inside the egg, your figures fit perfectly. Not, and they also had like speeders. I think Casper actually stole that from you and made the trouble ball. So I had all these. I had these characters that would do this, and then one year for Christmas, I'm going to say it was '79. Uh, it was the year Star Trek motion picture came out, and my parent. I was just a huge Star Trek fan. My parents bought me that year. They had made an Enterprise Bridge playset, which was. In retrospect, a very cheap, flimsy, one-piece plastic yeah. mold, and a Kirk, Spock, and McCoy figure. So, Destro and Boba Fett joined the Enterprise team, and Kirk would send them on mission. This just turned into a mural. I want to let you guys know, uh, we are just stopping the Toy Stories panel, and this is now going to be a Bobby Nash, the Adventures of uh, Destro and Boba Fett well, in Star Trek. <laughs> the heartbreaking part of this story. I would put these characters in these crazy situations, and you know what a cult gun is? Yeah. Oh, no. If you stand that sucker up like oh, this oh, and put your character under it, it looks like one of those death traps. And I would always stop it just the right point. Until one day there was one click too many oh. and Destro went Shed for like clubhouse, you know. Right, right. It's basically it's like it's got a it's got three walls and a roof, and I, I'd go out there and play. And yeah, so one day I found this out there, and I'm like, ooh, awesome! So I'm like, oh. you know, and he's up here going like, one play too many. Now that you've illustrated it so well, all I'm picturing is this like. Toy Story esque Destro, yeah. who's like aware of what you're doing in his little Destro voice. No, Bobby Nash, stop. No, Bobby Nash, I want to play with you. You're a monster. Bobby, I turned my life around for you. I know, right? Meanwhile, afterwards, you go to the shot of Boba sitting, well, sitting like this because his knees are sitting in the corner. I never bought another Destro figure. Uh, yeah, um, I, can, I can understand. I that. think for penance, you should go find one. I should like, find one. Yeah. Yeah. And then you take it home and you just keep apologizing to everybody. I'm so sorry. And then you have a little tea party. That's right. If he gets out of line, I go grab a grab a So there is a story of Gary Mitchell's dad running over an alien figure with a lawnmower. <laughs> yours is worse. Yeah, yours is worse. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, Gary's is just neglect. Here's how. Here's how OCD I am about figures matching up. Is even though uh, I had a good number of Star Wars figures when I started collecting GI Joe, and they're the same scale, but they are aesthetically so different oh, yeah. to, to yeah. me yeah. that I, I couldn't even mix those up. Wow! Yeah, I never mixed anything. It was I. It was too. What were you? What was your? What were you playing with? Uh, so I was big Master of the Universe and Transformers, which just mixing those would have been weird to begin with. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but well, I don't know. So actually, I could see uh, some of the the Transformers, the movie and post movie stuff. Yeah. Like actually working with like I could see Skeletor using Blur like a skateboard kind of. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey man. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and actually, the, the biggest nightmare of being a Transformers fan, even still to this day, is that like Hasbro can't get that scale right ever. And yeah, so even, even within just, the toilet, are any of you guys Transformers collectors? 
like currently. How, how do you feel about the the scale within the line? I mean, I think they got a little bit better with, with the masterpiece, but still, it's still not right. Yeah, yeah, and if you're collecting masterpiece, you just have to collect all the masterpiece because they will not be in scale with anything else right. that you have. Because they're yeah. gigantic, and uh, and it always did drive me a little bit nuts. Phase uh, shifting. Um, yeah. and Megatron was like this giant, you know, three to ten story tall, depending on which figure you're looking at. That would turn into a gun that could that sound wave could hold, but also random dude, <laughs> right? <laughs> random like, human guy. How many? What? That doesn't make any sense. And then sound wave would be a tiny little cassette recorder they could hide behind a bookshelf in some military unit. But then he changes and he's towering over everybody. Like, or, or also some kind of weird Cybertronian streetlight that records that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Transformers guy, back to, what's your name? Tom. Tom, did, with, I'm sure within Transformers continuity, they've explained the, what, phase shifting? Phase shifting. You have a nice name for it. What, what is the, what's the, what are the physics behind that, do you know? Well, I mean, they never really explained it, but it's basically how you describe it. It's just it wasn't transforming because they were changing their mass from being, you know. So they have a little pocket universe that they shift the rest of their mass into. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it comes back. They're more TARDIS. Oh, it's where, it's where our Optimus Prime's trailer goes every night. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. It just kind of goes into it. It's funny to watch the cartoon and, like, um, you know, Autobots transform and, like, he goes up and transforms and his trailer's just like, whoo. Because there was, there was um, 
Outback, I think his name was, the guy with the survival t-shirt. Yeah. I was like, I really like his head, but his shirt's stupid. <laughs> so I took him you apart. Know, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on with the survival shirt. Yeah. So I made, you know, I put a different chest on him, and I was like, wow, he's a different guy. And all of a sudden, it was like the light bulb. Yeah. I made like 14 Joes and Cobras of my own, and like, it gave everybody a backstory and history, and that that was then who I was playing. I, I, I did that, and I wish I had. That's, that, that's exactly what I did with all my G.I. Joes. I got really into professional wrestling and decided that G.I. Joe was the perfect thing to turn into professional wrestling. <laughs> so I, had, I made tag teams. I had all the actual... had a surgeon slot. Exactly. Yeah. It went perfectly. Yeah. So I had all those guys. Yeah, so I just started creating wrestlers and like a whole wrestling faction. Like, I was like, oh, I got a bunch of these pants. They all look like they go together, so I would take them. And then I would burn them, and that was a whole other weird thing that I won't go down. But, uh, yeah. yeah. There are times I'm tempted to rebuild my joke collection, but there are some I'd have to buy two or three of so I can make my customs again. Oh, you would have to literally, literally rebuild them. Yes. It's not just wow. like them. Yeah, but I was actually, when the, the most the most fun I had was where you were living in this one house that had an out shed behind it. And there was about a four foot space between the shed and the fence to the next yard. They had all this ivy over it, so it was private. And people would make fun of me for playing with my toys. <laughs> and I built this giant cinder block and broken pieces cobra complex. Nice. And every weekend there would be this raid on the complex. It's uh, time now for a little bit of trivia because I have some exciting prize packs here. Uh, needless things prize packs. And. Let's see, how do we want to do this? Uh, if you would like to win a Needless Things prize pack, put your hand in the air. All right, we'll start with the doctor here. Uh, who, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this without giving it away. Uh, oh, actually, this will be more exciting. This is just to see what your answer is. Uh, in the G.I. Joe cartoon, who were the constant two best pals, like almost inseparable on every mission? Alphan and Bazooka. That's it. Come <laughs> Very well done. Actually, you know what? I'm host. I'll bring this thing up to you. What am I thinking? Awesome. Enjoy. No problem. Good answer. That's not what I was looking for, but I was curious to see if maybe like there was a, a personal opinion thing at play here. That's a good enough answer. I was just going Now, are you on Sargos or are you just a fan of Sargos? Uh, a fan, yeah. A fan, okay. Yeah. Uh, do you listen to them? Yeah, I've listened to a few of them in the past, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we met up in Baltimore, and I stayed with them there, so. Nice. Yeah. 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 I've heard them on the um, Toy World Order yeah. podcast a few times. I cycle through podcasts crazy, though. I'll listen like two or three episodes, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I have too many, and I unsubscribe, and then I'll go back and be like, I need to listen to more, and then I have 50 on it, but I'm listening to episodes, I have to declare bankruptcy. <laughs> All right, so Red Ranger, How thank you for record. keeping going. I have no idea because oh. the battery died. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yay. Uh, yay. So you'll be able to hear uh, most of this uh, on the Needless Things podcast. <laughs> oh, he's got it. Oh, uh-huh. And you know what? Rudy Panucci, you don't even have to answer a question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're a real American hero. Yes, you are a real American hero. <laughs> And, and there's more than meets the eye to you. Uh, all right. But you know, you were mentioning, too, everybody was mentioning Joe's, and you know, we all had the G.I. Joe's. I will say, too, G.I. Joe was the first one where I also wanted to keep the packaging. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because you had the pop cards. Well, but you had those awesome paintings on yeah, the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the file cards on the back. Those were the first where I ever said, you know, I, I mean, I took, took the toy out, but I was like, I need to keep these. Show of hands, because that goes over really well on a podcast. Uh, who preferred the the explosion, the original painted explosion, and who preferred the digitized, the later on, the the, the effect that they put behind them? Who liked the the original explosion? I have to go with the explosion, yeah. Okay, and who preferred the digitized blow up effect? See, I I liked the digitized one because you know I was I was a kid I was dumb I didn't know any better and I thought it looked I thought it looked like cool and technological and like oh it's not just an explosion anymore now it's a digital explosion I, 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 and that stuck with me I, I dig mean, it it did look cool I just like the explosion the yeah. explosion but, but but they were great pieces of art I yeah mean, and I did you beautifully painted so you appreciated them at the time did you guys all because I I mean I knew it looked cool. 
but not to the point where I was like, I need to keep these, which I which I had obviously. Yeah. Did you? I, mean, I, I didn't keep them, but I always loved. I loved like the Transformers card backs, the Masters of the Universe card. I mean, obviously my two primary lines. Really, just in general, I think there's a book coming out of all of the different card art for a lot of those different mm-hmm. 80s lines. Oh, yeah. And, and really they just end. they just put out a book too that collects all of because the He-Man figures had the comics. Yes, yes. So yeah, there's a book that collects comics. all. Those yeah, comics. they put out the mini comic collection. Yeah. yeah, I did keep the mini comics, and I I wouldn't keep. Well, my parents wouldn't let me keep. I had so much. There's no way my parents were gonna let me keep all of those. Uh, off the off the top of your head, best packaging art. From an '80s line, we'll get. Oh no, it doesn't have to be '80s line. Just from a line that you you know collected at some point in your life. Let's start with Ryan. Uh, I I have like weird memories of this stuff. Like I really liked the uh, the DC toys with like the gold uh, back. You know, like the Batman, the superpowers, yeah, yeah or the, the superpowers ones, but also the Batman movie. Oh, the golden oh, uh, the yeah, toy yeah, business. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, and it still sticks with me. And I saw one out there, and I was like, the, I was like, I want to buy it just because I I want that package. I, I'm totally on board with you yeah. on that because we were at a comic shop up in Wilmington, North Carolina, mm-hmm. a few years ago, and they had they had some older toys sitting around in packages, and their prices were really good, and they had that golden card. Yeah, uh, and it was. The Batman was golden. Oh. I was like, I want a golden Batman. I will spend $12 on a golden Batman right now. Yeah. I, I totally understand the appeal of the gold Batman. Yeah. Um, Joe, for me. I mean, yeah. Just because you get that great picture of the character in action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I would, it's probably Joe for me also. Uh, for me, it's Transformers, because I just remember that giant mural that would be on the back of a lot of them, and it was like the the awkward Optimus Prime with the two fists. That, like, the scale, <laughs> yeah, the scale yeah. was a little weird. And like, like, his arm kind of looked like it, it was coming out of here. Right, it was like of... the only actual toy-accurate art that was ever produced was just on those guards, and that, yeah. that mural stays like the, of the... You have all the Decepticons flying in, you have all the Autobots flying in, and they, they worked in all of the characters from that wave, and then there's like giant explosions happening in the middle. I'm like, done. That's me right there. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, oddly enough, I'm going to agree with you because <laughs> those enough. murals, well, it's because Transformers, not my thing. Yeah, but the murals were awesome and they, they refreshed them yeah. every so often. Yeah. So there are, there are actually many different murals like that that they did. But the grid... With the oh red. yeah, that yeah. was pretty cool. I loved that grid, and I don't know why. It's it like I, I, I've never yeah. seen graph paper I, before. I, I, but. <laughs> it, it gave the illusion of being computerized. Yeah, to, just to show the level of impact that had. Uh, so. I'm a manager where I work. We have a lot of resumes come through for software developers, and the amount of times I see some form of that grid being used <laughs> to demonstrate a software developer's skill set, right. like listing out all the languages that they write, and like, oh, do, do, do. I'm waiting for the person to be like, hey, uh, I've snail mailed you a red thing that you have to put over the screen. <laughs> Actually, read the skills on my resume. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I totally oh, yeah. forgot. That's how you had to uh, read their stats. And yeah, because it was all hidden with red, so you had to put the red overlay on it to block out all the red. Because you had to keep the Decepticons from reading the right. Because you, yeah, exactly. And, and the sound wave could be right behind you with, with laser beaks. That's how you knew it was technologically superior toys. <laughs> because you had a red light <laughs> cover. And that became... Uh, that became a thing because the Transformers also later on, uh, like in a similar vein of like things have to be secret because they're in disguise. Mm. They have the, the rub off, yeah, insignia, yeah. <laughs> hypercolor. What what was uh, be- better gimmick? Rub off insignia or swivel arm battle grip? Show of hands, swivel arm oh. battle grip. <sighs> rub off insignia. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go Mmm, tough call. Didn't they also have an insignia where <laughs> they they pretended to be Autobots, but you pushed it and it flipped around? Yeah, yeah they had, there were a couple of specific that. figures. Yeah. That what was, was the name that, of that? Tom? Ah, uh, pretenders. Yeah, it was Twin Twist. Yeah, because yeah. okay, yeah. mm-hmm. I remember yeah. having a couple of those. And, yeah, I, I feel like there was a headmaster too. That like, if he had one head, he would be evil, and he had another right. head, he would be good. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, and I remember the reason they came up with that was because there were some knockoffs that were being made, like at Radio Shack, like the Shockwave, the gun. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a knockoff when you could get Radio Shack silver. Well, was it a knockoff or was it? It probably wasn't a knockoff. It was probably the original line. Yeah, you're right. Before Hasbro bought it, Hasbro bought it, made it purple. Uh, A fun fact, actually, part of the reason why Transformers took off is the insignia. 
um, they found that by creating the toys and putting them into factions, it made kids more interested. And that's why um, doing that helped them outpace the sale of GoBots because GoBots actually hit the market first. But it was never clear who was a hero and who was a villain. Uh, and so the toy, the, the, the sales were a little lackluster. And they said, well, we're going to create these in actual If anybody faction. looked at Psykill's face and thought that he was anything other than a villain, <laughs> uh, they had we, bigger problems than which robot to buy. Psykill. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. When, when your name is Dash Kill. Well, but I think he was called, like, Evil Motorcycle Leader yeah. or something. Yeah. They like, didn't have, like, it's the insignia. Like, so, I mean, if, if reading enters into it, Right. Then that's clear. It was parents could go in and they knew the red was good and the purple was bad. Right. And they're like, well, I'm just going to buy all the red for my for my kid. Right. Yeah, even the insignia, though, today, how often do you see them on cars? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even people. Well, that if know if my you're here in Toy Lanta. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> like the entire parking lot right now. But I mean, yeah. I bet people where I see the, the insignias and all. And on oh, nice cars, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. wow. They, they put an Autobot logo on that Porsche. <laughs> I feel like somebody's values are a little out of the Well, some people I've discovered don't really, jazz. Yeah. <laughs> I have discovered that some people don't know what they mean. They just buy them because they look cool. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so or actually, or they saw the movie. Or the, yeah, I've seen yeah, people yeah. and I go, oh, you're a Transformers fan. They're like, no, why would you ask? And I'm like, because well, you're driving a yellow Camaro. <laughs> because you have an Autobot logo you, on you, the side. You have Transformer logos on your window. Oh, that's what that means. <laughs> so, uh, so let's get back to how we played for a little bit. Uh, did you guys? Did you go outside with your stuff, Gary? Oh, yeah. uh, for those of us that maybe weren't at the panel where you described it, uh, we know you went outside. Yes. And to this day, you regret it because you lost. Who did you lose to? Uh, more, oh, what was that token? There was uh, Remco, whatever. Yeah, they the Remco. Made, um, the Remco monsters, the, you know, the, the Universal monsters. Yeah. I'm a huge creature of Black Lagoon fan, and there, these Remco figures were like all in the drugs. But we don't need, we don't need the whole anyway, story here. I would go. How often did you play outside? How about that? Often enough that uh, if you go somewhere in High Point, North Carolina, you'll find about eight of those creatures of Black Lagoon hiding in the woods somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Were Ryan Ranger Hunt like outside with your? I usually played indoors, but uh, yeah, I would go out like uh, where where I lived. There was like a like a creek out back, and like that was a cool little area to have like (coughs) stuff. I'd have like aliens coming out of them. Oh, creeks were the best because sometimes you'd have that crumbly wall. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah it just well, the best there. and the worst. Because, like, the wall was always a danger. Like, guys, we got to get past this area. That wall might come down, but then the wall comes down, and you're like, man, I just lost, like, two guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah big, a big part of what I did is, like, I had, like, you know, kind of, like, almost like a Legion of Doom kind of thing for all my villains and, like, just random characters all hanging out together. And then, uh, you know, I'd have the Ghostbusters house for the, the good guys. So that stuff's hard to like deal with taking it outside. Right, right. Yeah, you had a whole scene you had to set. Yeah, I had a whole scene, and then I had this like big giant skull face thing called Monster Face. It came out in, like '93, I think, and uh, he was like basically like their leader. Like he was, just, he was basically Mr. Potato Head, but for toys. Like wow. he shot pus out of his face and stuff, and like he put like weird. It was awesome. Oh my god! I had one so bad. I was like hoping there'd be one here. But I looked everywhere. I'm a little surprised that hasn't been like redone and it, right. Yeah, like, it's like probably it's a big skull and you put like weird stuff all. You really over. did have it like as a TV studio production. Though. Okay, we had interior shots or exterior <laughs> yeah, yeah, shots. Yeah, yeah. I like legitimately thought this stuff was like you know being filmed almost. Like I was like, I gotta keep this, keep ratings up. You know? Oh, I uh, I recreated the entire. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990 movie with toys. Yeah. With my, uh, my dad bought one of the old school, like gigantic VHS camcorders, like oh, a big yeah. silver yeah. thing that you put an entire VHS tape in the side and close it up. And, uh, I, I got footage with that thing all the time. I was always shooting something or other. But yeah, I, I recreated the whole movie with toys. That needs to be on uh, YouTube. Like with that. The, I don't have it anymore. It's good. Oh, yeah, I filmed yeah. so much stuff too. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know and what that's, happened. That's one of the things too. You're talking about the pus. There was a big thing in the 80s about putting the goo in toys. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Slime. I, the slime pit. Yeah. I remember There's, Joe had it. I mean, not Joe. He Man had it. He Man had it. Ghostbusters had it. Uh, I yeah, Ninja Turtles obviously the mutagen was the basis of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know that I've ever admitted this in public. I don't like toy slime. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that's a controversial stance. I know it is. I don't know. But it's I hard to clean. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't want that stuff getting on my figures and, and like messing them up. And heaven forbid you get it on like Grizzlor or Mossman or something. Oh my god. They're done. Yeah. yeah. I had a spike ore that I had a spike ore that continually, no matter how much I cleaned, there was always something. Yeah, all around the, the bottom of the spike. There, that there little was ring of dried up ooze that you're just like, he's yeah. I can't look at you. There was a specific warning on the box for not the to use it with to not use it on any character that Mossman, any character that was flocked or or had hair texture. Yeah, like just don't do it. Like so don't put Mossman in there, don't put Panthor, don't so put So there Grizzlor. were kids who did that. Of course there were. Yes, oh, sure. yeah, yeah. Who reads instructions? Even with the warning, I mean, you know, kids are going to do it because, right. you know, I... It's I, science. I, yeah, I very thinking. obviously, I never should have taken the gooseneck lamp that was on my desk and turned it so it was facing up and put G.I. Joe figures on top of the bulb. <laughs> obviously, I, I shouldn't have been that. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to. Yeah, right. Uh, so, I, for me, we, we had a big giant sandbox uh, out in the backyard, and me and my best friend Peyton would go out there and build, uh, we would take like sticks and build platforms and build these whole bases, and then once we were done building up kind of a base for each side, we'd dig trenches through the sandbox, uh, like usually one big one through the middle and maybe some, some tributaries going off to the side and we'd pull the garden hose all the way back to where the sandbox was oh. and just run the hose. And for, you know, an hour or so, you would have a pretty effective river going on, but eventually it all seeped out and like everything fell apart. <laughs> but like, I, man, I love doing that. We would build the most complex things. You know, you didn't bring the headquarters of the Terradrome or anything outside, yeah. but you'd build your own, you know, natural formations and stuff. But having that river, like, one, one of my favorite, like, childhood memories that I can visualize right now is the one time we actually dug all the way down to the bottom of the sandbox and uh, it was it was probably about that deep and we got the hose going and took the water moccasin and sent it like down the river and I could just picture that thing just going down our little homemade river that we did and it was the closest I ever came to recreating the magical landscapes that those jerks in the G.I. Joe toy commercial had to play in. Oh, God. Yeah. As a kid, the only thing that made me angrier than Transformers being so small was those kids with their awesome, like, mountains and, and tundras to battle with their G.I. Joe toys. Every scene of those wish books. books. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. There was this massive Eternian playset for He-Man. And you're like, who has that? Oh, the, are you talking about the monorail thing? Well, you're talking not, about not, some sculpted, made-up... Yeah, I'm not even talking about, like, just the... Oh, you're talking about just, like... The, where do I find a giant field of purple rocks and yellow bushes? Exactly. That has, like, the... the Tell me this! Yeah. There right, are three right. five-year-olds in there, and they have room to move. <laughs> yeah. They're, like, running across the playset. Right. Yeah. Like, damn it, I got a corner of my room. <laughs> and doing, it, by the way, a much better skeletal voice than you did. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Bobby, inside, outside, had a, what did you uh, do? A little both. I took some of them outside. There were certain <laughs> ones you couldn't, because I, I did have some of the Star Wars play sets that were cardboard. Remember the, like, the, the hot set? You mean, you mean all of them? Yeah. And so those didn't go outside, because even as a kid, I realized if I take that outside, I'm never playing with it again, because it would probably not survive. Uh, right, right. But, you know, I would take the figures out and did the same thing in the sand or in the backyard. There was a big dirt area, and you're cutting out paths and, you know, stacking up, like, big clods of dirt to collapse on the, the villains or the heroes and trap them and... Yeah, I was very rough on my characters. <laughs> but, oh, clearly, but, we but, heard yeah. the story. But, with the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Or Destro. Uh, Destro and Boba Fett had some times, let me tell you. Um, so, but there was, but it was funny. We had a nice backyard. We had a, a big dirt area. But then we had a grassy area, and there were, there were like, where trees had been cut down. There were the big stumps, so those always became little areas. Of yeah, oh, yeah. A tree stump was a huge deal because um, you'd have a place for your helicopters to land. Yeah, so it was always the top, outside of someone's secret hidden base. Yeah. And, and so, the, yeah, so the, the backyard really became this just magical, whatever location I needed, it was there. And so I would take some of the things out, but not all of them. 
So to wrap this thing up, uh, you know, we're all here because of our interest in toys this weekend, but, you know, as you're getting the things that chances are, if you're older, you're taking home and, and maybe not even opening, maybe just putting it up on the wall or storing away, or if you do open it, you're putting it up on a shelf, remember where your toys came from and where your love of those toys started, and just think about how you used to play with them and, and how much fun you used to have. And that's, that's why, uh, you know, the Toy Story movies are so effective is, you know, you, you had that feeling for your toys when you were a kid. They had that spark of life that you gave to them. Uh, all right. So to wrap it up, I have one more trivia question and this one is going to be a tough one. Uh, because, you know, we can't just be throwing things out here. Show of hands, who would like to answer a question? Slide you over here first. Uh, so, I'll give you, we'll put 10 seconds on the timer to give you an opportunity to think about this one. What was your favorite toy to play with when you were a kid? Max Steel. All right, well done. <laughs> Challenge the, uh, the viewers and the listeners on the Needless Things podcast. All right, it is time to wrap this thing up. Let's start over at the end. Where can we find you online? What are you up to? Um, Facebook.com slash the Casket Creatures. We're a local horror punk band that plays all around Atlanta. We have like 29 shows next month, so we just posted our schedule. So. Yeah, we're good at arenasuperstar.com. Yeah, we used to just be busy in October, and then we figured out we could do it year-round. It's pretty fun. So, yeah, check us out there. Um, I'm also on his podcast, uh, Rapper Rich. How often does that post? Uh, every, every once in a while. <laughs> every two weeks, I thought. I don't, it, was, it was every that's, two weeks. That's what I heard. And then I moved, grapevine. and the recorder's in a box, and I can't find it. So the podcast is over. Hey, at least it's probably, <laughs> at least it's probably charged, right? <laughs> Gary Mitchell, where can we find you online? What are you, up to? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter as Gary underscore Mitchell. That's Mitchell with one L. You can also find me as co-director of the American Sci-Fi Classics Track at DragonCon. We are at the Facebook group on Facebook slash group slash American Sci-Fi Classics. <coughs> Did everybody write that down? Yes. I have a car! <laughs> and uh, you can find me occasionally on this guy's show. Uh, award-winning Bobby Nash. Yes, um, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm at BobbyNash.com. I'm all over social media. Bobby Nash, just look me up. You can find me. There are a few other Bobby Nashes out there, but yeah. but you're the best. You're yeah, the award. Right. You're the award winning. Right. So it was really weird because it was really weird the other day. Real quick one. There was a guy on my friends list named Bobby Nash. I've never met him. Don't know him, but <laughs> and he posted something about the Logan movie. He posted a review. So I was like, yeah, I loved it too. And so someone else goes, well, if two out of three Bobby Nashes say it's good. <laughs> So, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all over social media. You can find me at all those various places on my website. And I have a card too. Yes, sir. Also on Modern Family, Claire's high school boyfriend was named Bob. That's right. Oh, yes. Oh. There we go. Red Ranger. Uh, you can find me at theradranger.com, Instagram, theradranger, and also, uh, there will, should be links to Rad Ranger's Radical Radcast with Ryan. Uh, we have 12 episodes. I've actually recorded three more, and eventually, uh, when I get fully moved in, I'll edit them and put them online. When he finds his recorder. And then when I find my recorder, yeah. we'll have new ones. But yeah, Rad Ranger's Radical Radcast with Ryan. You can just search for Rad Ranger in uh, iTunes and Stitcher. And I am Phantom Troublemaker. You can find me at NeedlessThingsSite.com, where the Needless Things podcast posts every single Friday. And also on Facebook as L Phantasmus with a PH, because Facebook would not let me call myself Phantom Troublemaker, which is stupid. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming out to Toylanta, for coming out to our panel. I hope you had a good time. Um, a couple of us have business cards up here, so swing on by and pick up a business card if you want. And that is all we got for you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Huge, massive thanks to our good pal Rudy Panucci at uh, Radio Free Charleston, who is behind the Pop Cult blog. You can find it blogs.wvgazette.com slash popcult. He saved my bacon. Uh, the Halfway through the thing, my voice recorder just stopped recording. I, I don't know what the issue was. It hadn't happened before. Uh, the battery seemed to die, but then later on it randomly started playing in my pocket. I don't know what was going on. Uh, and I, he, he recorded the entire thing. There, there will be video of this available at some point, uh, from Rudy. Uh, but he, he sent me the audio, so I was able to fill in the like eight or nine minutes in the middle that didn't get recorded before I 
before anybody noticed the recorder wasn't working and I pulled my phone out to get what ended up being a surprisingly good recording because I figured out my phone's voice recorder has a like personal memo setting and also a group conversation setting or interview setting or something else. And I put it on uh, quite a while ago. I put it on the, the second setting and it sounds a lot better. Like it almost sounds as good as the voice recorder. So, uh, but the whole thing has been mixed and levelated and whatever else. So it's, it all sort of, I, if you can tell where it cuts in and out, I'd be impressed. Uh, but anyway, huge thanks to Rudy, huge thanks to Bobby Nash, Ryan Cadaver, Red Ranger, and Gary Mitchell for being part of the panel. Huge thanks to Toylanta, to Martin and Buddy and all the volunteers and everybody else that works so hard to make Toylanta my favorite convention every year uh, that isn't Dragon Con. I, I, come on, I'm not going to lie, you guys. Dragon Con's my, I know where my bread is butter. You know what I mean? Not that I really get any butter, but... Whatever. I love it, and I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh. <laughs>